If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date their bags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hello, my name is Katie, and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I will be your host, and today we're going to talk about what I learned from a marriage retreat. So this is definitely not an ad, but my husband and I are huge fans of Windshape Retreats in Rome, Georgia. It is owned by Chick-fil-A, and years ago, Brian just actually saw a sign for their marriage retreats at a Chick-fil-A in Statesboro, Georgia four hours, five hours probably away from Rome, but we were interested and went to a marriage retreat and have been going to several of them since then. And I want to point out how important this is. So if you haven't heard much about my story between my husband's two parents and my two parents, those four humans have been divorced a total of nine times. So they have a total of nine marriages well, probably more. I don't know. They know they've been divorced nine times. There's more marriages because some are married again, some haven't. But anyways, that being our legacy, so to speak, we were like, mm, we want to be intentional about this thing called marriage. We obviously don't have it all figured out. We haven't been modeled how to figure it all out. So we want to have the tools in our tool belt to do this thing is to the best of our ability. So that being said, one of the things we decided early on was to do some sort of marriage retreat, uh, get away something to invest in this gift called marriage as regularly as we could. Now there's been times when mar- you know, money was tighter and we would just like, you know, spend the night somewhere and um, get a book or whatever. But as often as we can, we have been going to Windshape retreats in Rome, Georgia. And like I said, it's owned by Chick-fil-A and they showed this video about when Truett Cathy, if you don't know the founder of Chick-fil-A and his wife first came to this property just huge, beautiful property on the campus of, of Barry College. And they were able to, you know, get some of this property and convert it into space for marriage retreats for kids camps. It's basically just creating, investing in families is their goal, investing in families. And in this video in the 80s, when they first found this property, his wife says, I think we're standing on holy ground. And I, I get all the feels when I see that video. I've seen it like probably 10 times at this point. But I get all the feels because it's true. I see how their vision for investing in in families, in marriages, in children, they invest in leaders. You know, WinShape is all about creating winners. And I, I just love everything they do. Like I said, not an ad, but such a fan. If you are looking, if you are married or looking to be married, they also have engaged couples retreats. They have they have all kinds of good stuff. But we became host couples, so we are able to host other couples when they come, which is super fun. So we've been to several here lately, and so I literally just have my notebooks open of all the things I wrote down on our most marriage, uh, most recent marriage retreats that we've gone to, and I just want to share with you some takeaways that I got from these marriage retreats. Now, if you're not married, um, this is still very helpful because... I'm assuming you want to be married one day, and this is just really good information to date well, to date with integrity, and then also kind of put in your tool belt, as I said, for when you are married one day. Now, another note, WinShape brings in only the best. They have the best speakers, the best just people who study relationships and marriages and how to do these things well. So their advice is some good stuff. So I'm just going to dive in to my notes. 
Now, one of the retreats that we went to was all about play and how to just have fun and play with your spouse. And it was so interesting because we were with a couple who have been married 15 years. He works the night shift. She works during the day. They literally just were passing each other for 15 years, you know, tag teaming. You take the kids here. You take the kids there. I'm going to sleep here. And they said that they hadn't gotten alone and being able to just spend time and invest in each other in 15 years. And gosh, (laughs) again, just reiterating how important it is to take some time. Don't wait till things are falling apart. Take some time when your marriage is doing good to continue to invest. You know, it's so crazy. We invest in our clothing, our education, all things we should invest in, but our our marriages, our most important relationships take time to invest. But anyway, this retreat specifically was all about play. It said that the top factor of a marriage will be successful or not is how much fun you have together. How about that? And that when they study animals in the wild, the animals that live the longest play a lot. They just play together. They have fun. And then Ecclesiastes from the Bible 815 says, be glad and enjoy life. And so just all of those, you know, from research, from our animal kingdom, from the Bible, like have fun together, you know, and hopefully this probably sounds like, well, duh, but a lot of times when you get older and you're just like day in and day out doing all of the things, you forget to take a marriage retreat, like we said here, or I don't know, do something goofy. We recently got those adventure challenge books. I don't know if you've seen those advertised on social media, but you basically get this book and you have a scratch off and you get to do like random dates and stuff. It's so fun. And our, one of ours was to go to a high school and you can dress up like a jock or a nerd or whatever, like something that you were in high school. And then just talk about your high school selves, which is cool because Brian and I met past high school and, you know, we didn't know each other then. And we're just telling each other funny stories about being in high school and like the crushes you had or the stupid things that happened. I don't know. It's just something you don't normally do. And it was fun. Another thing I noticed in my notes, one of the guys was talking, he was a marriage counselor and he was, had a couple in his office who were coming to him in crisis. You know, they were looking at ending their marriage. And it was so interesting because they said they did a compatibility test before they got married and had like record breaking compatibility, you know, and all the areas of life, they were just meant to be just super compatible, but here they were in marriage crisis. And what he found was kind of under the surface is they forgot to have fun together. They were just very mundane of going through life and didn't prioritize play. And so, yeah, you just can't underestimate the power of having fun together. So Proverbs five eighteen says, remember the wife of your youth slash husband. So remember the person you married. So if you've been married a little bit or you've been in a relationship for a while, sometimes remembering those things that first attracted you to each other. So what we did in this marriage retreat is write down things that we enjoy doing together. So things that make my husband laugh are comedians, going to shows, storytelling, things that I like to do, um, kids activities, marriage retreats, events in our city. Like we took a tour of Savannah when we lived not far from there. And it was so cool. You know, we lived in that area for years. And when we took a tour of our own city, it was just so cool. Um, Wrote down things, how we can create fun, Um, plan events, go on double dates. I love people. I love hanging out with people. And so double dates is something that Brian and I both love to do. So sometimes it's just a a conversation and making a list, you know, what do you like to do and how can we incorporate this in our schedule? And sometimes you just have to write it down. Like it sounds 
unglamorous. And I don't know why that you have to schedule this stuff in, but if you don't, it doesn't happen. And so, you know, look on the calendar on a Tuesday, on a Friday, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but we are going to go on a hike. If that's something you like to do, we are going to, well, shoot, go on a marriage retreat. I highly recommend that. Or, um, if you, if you're just in a dating relationship, you know, do a TikTok challenge together, like something that's just fun. Just do something fun. Uh, we wrote down a laser gun war. <laughs> we got the kids laser guns and that's something that's kind of been in the closet collecting dust. So something that would just be fun, fun story. <laughs> um, one year for Christmas that actually I think this was last year, Brian woke the girls up Christmas morning and gave them those little Nerf guns and put them in their room and sent them a video recording. He was like, you have five minutes to come out of your room. I don't remember, like you'll be blasted with Nerf guns or something like that. And so they like just woke up Christmas morning, like what is happening? And they come out of the room and we were like blasting them with Nerf guns. It was fun. While I'm on the subject, one more fun idea that we got from that adventure challenge book is to go to a thrift store and pick out each other's outfits, like something goofy or obnoxious or I don't know, whatever you get to pick and then go out to eat wearing the crazy outfit that your (laughs) boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever picked out for you. I think that's hilarious. Okay. And moving on in my notes, another thing is talking about telling your marriage story. So again, this applies to dating and also applies if you aren't in a relationship, because I'm sure you probably heard this anytime it comes to goals or habits or just telling your story, you want to begin with the end in mind. So when you're, you know, 95 and your grandchildren are gathered around and you're telling the story, your marriage story, like what story do you want to tell? And that starts with dating, right? Like you probably don't want to tell the story that you were blacked out drunk or whatever, you know, like where do you want to meet your spouse? What story do you want to tell? And, and one of the marriage retreats we went to, we all, we all had time to share our marriage story. And it was kind of cool because we, we bought, I think it was four different props to be like, okay. And then this happened. And so like we brought a, um, a, a t-shirt of Chattanooga because moving to Chattanooga was very significant for our marriage story. And um, anyway, so thinking about what is your story and what story do you want to tell? Now, of course, life happens and some things are out of our control, but there are some things that are in our control and writing the story you want to tell. So just just a few question prompts to get you thinking about what your marriage dating, whatever story is. So it says your journey starts here. How did you meet? How did you fall in love? And then naming your wins. What do you see in your spouse that you love? What experiences were worth celebrating? What have you accomplished together? And then acknowledging big changes, identifying major transitions in your marriage. How is change and transition impacting your marriage? Facing your challenges. What has been disappointing in your marriage? How is adversity impacting it? And then insights and awareness. What have you discovered about yourself? What is God, what is God doing through you in your marriage? And then your journey is still continuing. What are your dreams for your marriage and how can your marriage contribute to God's kingdom? Marinate on that for a hot second, because, you know, you've probably heard it said to be equally yoked. When I was young, I thought that had something to do with an egg, (laughs) Y-O-L-K, but as it is Y-O-K-E, hopefully you know this, but Hey, I did it when I was 20. And Y-O-K-E refers to the bar between two oxen. If one ox is, you know, carrying more of the weight and going faster further, and then the other one is not, 
even the one that is trying to go ahead can only go so far if one of the oxen is just sitting on the ground or refusing to move forward. So that is the illustration that Jesus gives when he talks about an equally yoked relationship. Perhaps a more modern example is a three-legged race. If you are pursuing Christ and your partner is not, then you are running a three-legged race while one of you is sitting on the ground. Even if they're supportive, even if they're like, okay, yeah, you can believe what you want or whatever. It, it just, I don't not, I don't see how that can work long-term because eventually you are going to have children that you want to raise one way or the other. They are going to have their questions about faith. You just, you need to be on, that is like a foundational issue. I strongly believe you need to be on the same page about there's people that, that don't agree with me on this. I've had several girls reach out actually through Instagram and say like, my faith is really important to me, but I've been in this, you know, long-term relationship with a boyfriend and, or a new relationship. And he supports, he says, you can, you know, that's fine. You can believe that, but that's just not for me, but I really like him. What do I do? Like, I, I do I wouldn't pursue marriage. I mean, you're either dating for marriage or you're dating for heartbreak. You can continue to get to know him. I think if it, so here's what I said <laughs> to the girl who had been dating the guy for a year, I told her to approach the conversation almost apologetically. Like, Hey, my faith, faith is really important to me, but I apologize that I never really made that clear to you. Also here, here's the rub guys. I'm going to say this with love. This can step on your toes. If your faith is really important to you, but you've been in a year-long relationship with an atheist, is it? Is your faith really important to you? Okay, just just had to ask that. Okay, so, but then I said, approach this conversation with your boyfriend to your boyfriend with a little bit of an apology. I I said this matters to me, and I'm sorry because I haven't really communicated that to you. Um, I haven't gone to church. I haven't, you know been growing in my faith. There's no fruit in my life. So first of all, you got to look in the mirror and have that conversation with yourself. Right. Um, but then say, Hey, I want to make changes. I want this to be real for me. I want to grow in my faith. I want this to be for my future. I want this to be for my kids. And I want you on that journey with me. I would love to take you along. Here's a podcast I'm listening to. Here's the books I'm reading. And you can't just say, this is what I've decided. You need to be on board. I talked about this on the episode, the why before the wait. You can't like just say, hey, I've decided this, get on board because you've been thinking about this for months and you're just dropping this on them, right? So give them some time, give them some space. But again, eventually there's going to be a point where it's like, are you in or not? And if you're already in a long-term relationship, this isn't going to be instant, but it is a conversation you for sure need to have again, not with blame, not with like, why aren't you on board too? But that's not fair. So let him marinate on it. And again, genuinely pursue your own faith. If you are genuinely reading books, getting involved in church, that will hopefully be magnetic and beautiful. You know, we, we have a good God. (laughs) We serve a good product. Christians often get it wrong. And you know, that's, that's the thing. We're all hypocrites, but if you can, if you're genuinely pursuing the Lord, like that is a beautiful magnetic thing. And he will be curious of, wow, like she is slower to anger. She is exemplifying unconditional love a little more. Like 
I'm, I'm curious. I want to know more. You know, when we get this right, it's, it's beautiful and it's magnetic. Now, if you're in a new relationship, Hey, I really like this guy. He, you know, it's cute, yada, yada, but he is definitely not a Christian. I'll just tell you, I just got on the phone with a good friend of mine who is unfortunately walking through a divorce. And she said that she, I can tell her story anytime. And that's how her relationship started out. You know, I like them. He's cute. We have fun together. He's definitely not a believer. And she got pregnant before they were married. And, um, so 17 years later, two kids and a lot of betrayal and heartbreak and secrets and affairs she's having to walk away and it's painful and it's hard. And and she said, it's like a death. And my sweet friend is having to walk through all this. And she said, you know, I wish I could tell my younger self, like you have to, faith is a foundational issue and he can be cute and that's great, (laughs) but there's so much more, you know, there really is. And she would just encourage you and her younger self to really consider that one day this is going to matter and it's going to matter more than you realize. And when you're having arguments of, is this cheating or is this not like, why are we looking at the line? Why don't we instead look to, I don't, I so far want to be away from cheating on you that I'm like way, way over here. I know you can't see my hands, but like if the line is, "Mm, this is kind of sort of cheating. No, I don't want to be in the weeds of, well, I kind of sort of almost not really cheated on you. No, I want to be on the completely opposite side of like, I ran so far away from temptation. I ran so far away from what could potentially be considered cheating. I don't know if you've heard the Billy Graham rule, but he basically talked about how he wouldn't go to a meal with just one other lady because it just appears a little fishy. Like one man and one lady going out to dinner together you know, it looks like you might be out of date or something. And so, you know, business friends or whatever, some people like turn their nose up at that. Like, oh my gosh, whatever. You can just go out to eat with whoever you want. Yeah, you can. But is that a good idea? Does that help your relationship? Back to my notes from the marriage retreat. One of the stories that one of the speakers gave talks about this. So as a female speaker, and she was talking about how she saw one of her neighbor friends, it was a a young guy running with a lady who wasn't his wife. And so she just, you know, she does this for a living, a marriage, you know, conferences and retreats and stuff. And so she got to talking to him one day. It was like, oh, you know, I saw you running. Who are you running with? And he said, oh, you know, it's my coworker. We're marathon training. So she starts to, you know, press a little bit. Okay. Well, you know, on average, how would you, how much time do you say you spend together when you're marathon training? He's like, I mean, I don't know, probably five to six hours a week. And like, okay, well, what do you do while you're doing all these running? Oh, just talk about life and whatever, whatever. And then the lady telling the story, she said, okay, would you say you spend five to six hours in meaningful conversation with your wife each week? And he was kind of like, uh, and she said, what are you not in favor of me, you know, running this marathon? And she was like, listen, I'm on your side. I am in favor of your marriage. And he kind of took that to heart. And she said next time she saw him running, he was running by himself. (laughs) So the point of all this is, is it cheating to run with someone else who isn't your spouse? No, I'm not saying that. Like the point is, if the line is cheating, if the line is, I don't know, infidelity or, or whatever. I talk about this when, you know, they say how far is too far. 
instead of dangling your toes over the edge to see how far you can go without falling, why don't we instead ask, how close to Jesus can I get? How close to integrity? How close to holiness? How close to best representing what it means to be a Christian? And we talked about being an example of Christ to someone you're dating. How do you do that best? Why don't we ask those kind of questions? How do I best exemplify who Christ is in me versus how close to sin can I get without falling over the edge? Okay, back to my notes. One thing I wrote down is, do you want to be right or be in a relationship? This talks about arguing, and this is just good life advice. But when you win an argument, what do you actually win? You know, and and there's so much, especially when it comes to relationships, do you want to win or do you want to be in a relationship? And so there's so many times when it's like, first of all, is it worth it? Is it worth the argument? Because so many things are just so trivial, right? But the other thing is what he talked about is getting curious about each other. So when you're in this like, oh, why can't you see my way or whatever? (laughs) I'm laughing because I remember one of the things he also talked about was often when if we pray about a relationship, we're like, God, fix them, (laughs) fix them and help them see things my way. That's, that's what we want to do. Right. But it doesn't always work that way. First of all, we have to look in the mirror because even if they are 90% wrong and we are 10% wrong, what can we do? Work on that 10%, right? That's the only thing that we can do is work on ourselves. Now there's obviously like, if there's abuse and there's all kinds of conversations we can have about the exceptions, but most relationships, most arguments and stuff like that is I just want them to see my way. I want them to get on my page and I want, and I want to be right. We all want to be right. That's human nature. But again, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in a relationship and you can't change others? You can only change yourself. This is hard. I'm not saying this is easy, but this is life changing ways to love your spouse. Well, and don't we want to be loved this way? Don't we want to, if, if we're 90% wrong and our spouse is 10% wrong, First of all, we don't see it that way, right? <laughs> but don't we also want them to work on their 10% and then we can work our, on ours because that that's the beauty of it. A relationship is only as strong as its weakest individual. And so sometimes that means we need to go to our own counseling or do our own work or, you know, take that long heart look in the mirror and be like, I really used to love um, cooking or working out or, or remembering who, what you used to be and who they originally fell in love with and not necessarily changing yourself for them, but being who you're created to be, being who God created you to be. And sometimes that's our own walking away from that. But um, do you want to be right or be in a relationship? And what's interesting is that a lot of women, I know specifically listen to this podcast, women are normally the ones who ask for divorce. Interesting fact. I think, I don't remember the statistic, but it was well above 50%. Women are usually the ones who ask for divorce and fun fact. I think I shared this on another podcast, but women later in life who find themselves divorced, widowed, single for whatever reason are 50% more likely to die than their married counterparts. So let's say there's two women in their seventies. One is married. One is single. The single woman is 50% more likely to die from death of any causes than her married counterparts. Okay. Just because, you know, we're made to live in community relationships are good for you. Okay. Well, the men, let's say again, the neighbors, two neighbors in their seventies, one is married, 
one is single for whatever reason, the man is 250% more likely to die from any causes than his married counterparts. Now, it's interesting because I talk about how the wife is more likely to ask for the divorce, but the men are the one who need the ladies. (laughs) Now, this is a big generality. You know, there's lots of exceptions, I'm sure, but generally speaking, women are more social and it says we have more longevity when we when we play, when we have fun with our friends, like we talked about at the beginning, right? Women, generally speaking, are going to cook and take care of the home and take care of each other and take your vitamins and all of that kind of stuff. So men benefit from being in a long-term, healthy, long-lasting relationship. But it's the women are most likely to ask for the divorce. And so I just think that that's interesting that if we can get back to seeing how valuable we are together in this relationship, fighting healthy fights, not just longing to be right, but longing to be in a relationship, longing to, you know, work these things out, have healthy conversations and get curious about each other in these conversations. So I kind of got an aside over there, but when you're in a fight or whatever, when you get curious about each other, it just changes things. So when it's like, Oh, you, this and you, that, but you can kind of shift the thinking of, huh, I wonder why they think this way. Or I wonder what in their childhood, you know, in a curious way, it's just, it's harder to become angry at someone when you just become curious about them. And that's just true in life. I find that super helpful. I've learned this on a podcast that I listen to, but just difficult people you may work with or may come across when you, instead of like, Oh, you know, have that just, they're so annoying when you became curious about them. It's like a, a disarming, it just helps you, you know, relate to them because we're all human at the end of the day and we all have our own quirks or whatever, but, um, yeah, just, just kind of why people tick. And it's almost, it kind of makes you giggle a little bit, especially I know like just people, I have difficult people, um, that I used to work with. And I was like, you just kind of laugh like, Oh, well, of course they think it that way because they come from this background or whatever. And it just, it kind of makes you, it just makes you less angry and just more curious and more appreciative of, all the different quirks we have. Hey, I hope you're loving this episode. And if you've been around here for a minute, you know that everything I do is to be who I needed when I was younger. And one of those favorite things I like to offer is online mentoring. Basically, my calendar's up, you pick a time you want to chat with me, and we make it happen. But I noticed in a lot of these calls, some of the same things come up. So what I did is just recorded everything, recorded relationship advice, money advice, faith callings and questions, whatever it may be. I just recorded all of the most common things I hear in mentoring calls and have it available for you whenever you want to download it. Think about this as all the best advice from the podcast, what you might not hear on mentoring calls and everything else from the internet all piled together. And by truth for your twenties listeners get $20 off with promo code truth. So the link is going to be waiting for you in my show notes and also my link in bio on Instagram, but it's basically all my best big sister advice, everything from online mentoring right there. My goal is this to be just a valuable resource for you to dive into anytime you need it, get a refresher. Anytime you need it, you can watch it unlimited amount of times. I had a girl message me saying she watched it twice because it was that helpful and you get $20 off with promo code truth. So the link again is right here in the show notes. And I hope you gain some truths for your twenties. You guys know I'm all about having fun. And I used to think that had to do with alcohol. You had to have alcohol to have fun, but that couldn't be further from the truth, which is why I love Curious Elixir's booze-free cocktails. They have adaptations to help you unwind, but they're also just good. And I am so excited to share with my Truth For Your 20s listeners, you guys get 
$10 off when you use promo code Katie22. All the information is at the link in my profile. Curious Elixirs Booze Free Cocktails. Shaken, not slurred. Okay, getting back to my notes from our marriage retreats. I found this super interesting. It said, People were interviewed and they rated their marriage from a one to a 10. One meaning like, I want to be done. 10 meaning it's amazing. So people who rated their marriage a one or a two, so basically meaning they were ready to be done with their marriage. In five years, the same couples were interviewed and they would rate their, their marriage a six or a seven. And they said that the difference was because of other people in their lives, other couples. So typically they would just get involved in a small group or a group of friends or just having other couples around them. And I love this idea of community, how we, none of us are made to do life alone, especially when you have kids and you just need dinner dates and friends and help with watching kids and just doing life together is such a beautiful gift. This, I didn't realize at the time how beautiful this was, but when our kids were little, we had a group of of moms and we would all switch off and watching each other's kids. And then we would have double dates all, a lot of times. And we just bring our kids because, you know, we couldn't afford babysitting or anything at the time, but we would like go out to eat and the kids would be in car seats or on our hip or whatever. But we, we had that community of other young adults. And I did not realize how valuable that was at the time. And I can't imagine doing it without Another thing that I wrote down is purposely showing up for each other. And that sounds silly, but when you're dating, you purposefully show up for each other, you know, like this time, this restaurant, I'll pick you up, whatever, like you purposefully make a date. And oftentimes when you're married, it's like, you want to go out to eat here or whatever, whatever. But when you're like, I'm purposely going to do my hair and makeup, I'm purposely going to put on a clean shirt, whatever it may be. Again, simple, but profound, purposely showing up for each other. I just wrote down all kinds of good little nuggets of wisdom. Okay, here's an interesting one. I know you've heard it said that like we create pathways in our brain for something we habitually do, right? So if you take the same route home every day, then you sometimes just kind of like check out and you don't even realize you're making the turns or whatever because it's a pathway in your brain. Well, we have more power over those than we realize. So a pathway you can create in your brain is to continually remind yourself that you are married to the most handsome person in the world that, and you expect the best in them, that they are responsible, that like you get to decide. And so this is actually kind of everything. Like if you haven't heard anything I said so far, like listen to this one, this is basically expecting the best in each other. And I don't want to just slide by this because I have recently realized how groundbreaking this is. So if I just wake up every morning and just decide Brian has the best of intentions, which, which he does. He's a good person. But if I like, I just decide he has good intentions. He, I'm expecting the best in him. Then guess what I'm going to see? I'm going to see his good intentions and the best. And so even if, for example, poor Brian, I'm trying to like not throw him under the bus or whatever. Let's say he forgets to pull the trash to the curb. I don't know. Like that's something that we have to do every um, Thursday to get the trash picked up. Okay. Like I could say, oh my gosh, he's so annoying. He's so irresponsible. Like I could do that. Or I could be like, oh my gosh, he is, oh, that's okay. Because he had to get to work early because he works hard for our family. He had the best of intentions, but I don't know. But that's such a simple example of you can assume the best in your spouse. And that right there can make or break a lot of marriages because 
women, you guys, we just talked about how women are the first to usually request a divorce. We can nag. I'm just saying, I know none of known listeners, especially not me, right? None of us do it. But we see in others, women can be nags and they can be like, why didn't you? And no, 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 and no, no, no. That that's not helpful. How does that build our husbands up, right? How does that how does that help anything? And really, men, if it comes down to it, and I think if there's any guys listening, I bet you'll agree. Y'all are more simple than we realize. And if you just encourage, like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for remembering every single time to take out the trash. Like you're just amazing. And then the one time they forget, be like, Oh my gosh, it's totally fine. Like we'll make it work. We'll bring the trash. I need to think of a better example. Okay. Here's an example. This is actually where I did not get it right. So learn from my mistakes. We need a baby gate for our room because our dog keeps going back there and peeing. We have a puppy pray for us. So trying to put a baby gate up there and I have an old one that was my brother's when they were young, but it's like the most complicated baby gate in the history of the world. And none of us can figure it out. It's like super safety. I don't know. It's annoying as I'll get out. Well, Brian was like, whatever with the stinging baby gate. So he's like, Hey, I ordered another one. It was just 20 bucks on Amazon done. What I should have done knowing and expecting the best in him is he didn't want to deal with this stinking, annoying baby gate anymore. It's not going to break us. We'll be able to put food on the table for him to spend $20 to get another baby gate. He solved the problem. Thank you. End of story. But I was being thrifty and not so much thrifty, but also like, I don't want one more random piece of junk in our house. So I'm like, why did you buy a baby gate? We already have a baby gate. We just need to figure out how to use it. Like, it's not a big deal. I'll call my brother because it was originally his and we can figure it out. Like, I'm thinking, great. Now we just have more trash in the landfill. One more thing to get rid of. One more thing. in our Anyway, so I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And he's like, I solved a problem. Like, it's not a big deal. But in that example, assuming the best in each other it should have been, like I said, of, okay, awesome. Thanks for solving the problem. We'll get, sell this other one in a yard sale or whatever. End of discussion, right? And so I read this one time, and I think I shared this before, but Bon Jovi, yes, the singer from the 80s, living on a prayer. He was married to the same woman all along, which is rare in rock star world, right? And I remember listening to an interview with him, and he accredits it that they always looked at the best in each other. And I can imagine that, especially when, when your husband's a rock star on the road and he's gone for, I don't know, months at a time. And he was a big deal in the eighties. I'm sure like women were throwing themselves at him and all that kind of stuff. They assume the best in each other. And again, he's gone for all that time. You know, she's at home buying stuff or redecorating stuff or doing whatever with the kids. He could have gotten mad too. Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? They always assumed the best in each other. And I think, again, if you listen to nothing else in this episode, like even when you're mad at each other and if you can just take a step and be like, what if they have the best of intentions in this scenario and worst case scenario, you're wrong and your boyfriend or husband or whatever, like was late because they were playing Nintendo and they were irresponsible and they were being total jerk. And that's why they're late. But you assumed the best in them and you assume they were late because they were doing something great. Like, isn't it okay to have a little bit of rose colored glasses for your spouse? Isn't, don't we love that? Like I always look at older couples and they just have this like googly eyedness over each other. And they're just, they can do no wrong in each other's eyes. Like I I want that. (laughs) I, I want that for my marriage. I want that. Like, I think that that's a good thing. 
Now, of course, you don't want to like look past abuse or whatever. And, you know, we can always have these extreme examples. But for the majority of the cases, I want to have rose colored glasses and see the best in my spouse, even if I'm a little bit wrong. You know, I think that that's everything right there. Okay. And the last thing I want to leave you guys with in my notes from a marriage retreat is your four points of connection every day. So this is, if you're married, living in the same house, obviously, that you have four points of connection or purposeful connection every day. And that is your morning greeting. How do you greet each other? Sometimes, you know, someone likes a big hug and a kiss in the morning. Sometimes you want to be left alone and have your coffee or whatever it is first. It doesn't matter, but communicate and have that point of connection every morning. And then how do you part for the day? If you both work outside the home or you're going different places, different times, how, how do you part? Is it just like, bye, see you later. Is there a hug? Is there, I love you. Is there a prayer? I, I don't know. There's no right or wrong here, but these are points of connection that really make a difference in things that can really build up a relationship. Again, this is little decisions that either build or break down a relationship. The third point of connection is how you connect after being apart all day. So again, this is a, a typical if if you work or go to school or, or outside of the home together. And this is if you're dating as well. You know, you can kind of like maybe get together after you're doing whatever in the evening. If you um, have a date that evening, whatever it may be, these are points of connection. And then hopefully only if you're married, but how you say goodnight. And again, uh, no right or wrong answers here. Some people like to just read a book together. I would say ban phones from the bedroom. If you possibly can, I highly recommend not having your phones in the bedroom. It's just a distraction and it's just not, not necessary. You may not know this, but they sell alarm clocks at every store and they're not expensive. (laughs) So you can get an alarm clock. It's not complicated and it's just less distraction in the bedroom. Okay. So I have more notes, but that is the highlights. And again, I highly recommend Windshape, just a wonderful resource for married couples, engaged couples, families. We're going to family camp this year. Our girls have gone to girls camp for several years, but this year we decided to do things a little different and we're doing family camp, which I'm really excited about. They have like a ropes course. They always feed you very well. As I said, it's owned by Chick-fil-A. So lots of my pleasures and incredible customer service. We're just big fans and they're doing really good things to invest in relationships and families. And I think marriages are the building block for the home and the building block for society. I mean, I don't think we can understate that because the marriage again is a foundation for the home and the foundation for the children and the foundation for being good workers in our world. And so it goes and so it goes, good entrepreneurs, good leaders, good humans. And it all starts with having a healthy marriage. So I'll have lots of links in the show notes, but thank you so much for being here. And I hope you gained some truths for your twenties today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would enjoy you sharing it with a friend. If you take a screenshot and share it on your social, make sure you give me a tag at Katie Bulmer life. And I will definitely make sure I respond and thank you so much for sharing the love. Hey, and if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. We have over a hundred episodes interviewing experts and 20 somethings and everyone in between tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the truth for your twenties podcast. And I'm so thankful that you're here.